of identity politics. Lie, lie. I love you. This is America. Good morning and welcome to the live exchange. I am Dr. Pamela and we are here every week having compelling dialogue around humanity, intellect and change. Today's show, we are going to be, I know I say this every week, but we are going to be having one of my most favorite conversations. We are gonna be talking about laughter, gratitude and joy. Um, and in this first hour, I'm going to be joined by, uh, I'm going to have a guest who's joining me, Dawn Taylor. She is a professional coach. And so we're going to learn more about how she approaches happiness, laughter, and joy in the, um, you know, as a way also of overcoming trauma. There's just uh, so many ways that we can bring in that gratitude and that laughter and that joy into our lives. Um, and I am definitely going to be sharing some of my own secrets and some of my own research um, with regards to how this is going to happen, you know, with regards to how to integrate this into our lives. Um, because I have been very intentional, intentional about making this a part of my life. And so I want to help others make it a part of their lives too. So I'm really excited about today's conversation. We're going to be looking at benefits of gratitude. We're going to be looking at joy and resilient joy, uh, as well as there is a, um, um, a, a really important and interesting concept um, that I would love to discuss called aesthetic force. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about today, and um, I'm, I'm hoping that you all will be able to take some really great nuggets from today. So join us. We are on the Sensation Station Network. You can find us on the Facebook page live if you want to watch what's going on. Um, and we'd love to see your comments, your questions, your stories, uh, as we'll integrate it into the show. So stay with us. Get ready for a great show. We'll be right back on the live exchange. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela and uh, we are here uh, today. We are talking about um, a really important concept to me about how to just, you know, everyday life, um, laughter, gratitude, and joy. And um, today I am going to, I'm gonna introduce my guest for the first hour, uh, Don Taylor. Don Taylor is the professional is a is is a professional and we'll call it on the show butt kicker because I don't know what we can say <laughs> a hope giver international trauma specialist life coach strategist and all around uh you know amazing woman. Dawn's journey into helping others heal began when she took her personal recovery from the trauma she experienced in her life into her own hands. While at times unconventional, Dawn's strategic methods have helped hundreds heal from everything related to PSD from sexual, emotional, and physical abuse to issues from infidelity to overcoming addiction, as well as helping um, cult survivors thrive. Dawn's work has been empowered, has empowered entrepreneurs, stay-at-home moms, and CEOs alike to be the superheroes in their own lives. Having completed thousands of hours of training from many professional programs, including, including the Robbins um, Madness Training Institute, and certified as a subconscious imprinting techniques professional, which we're going to learn a little bit more about, Dawn's blunt honesty will challenge your thinking broaden your awareness and help you achieve the outstanding results you are worthy of. Welcome, 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 Dawn Taylor. It is so good to be here. It's so good to have you. There's so many things that I, I'm, I'm excited to ask you about um, because, you know, some of, you know, especially this um, subconscious imprinting techniques professional. Um, yes. 
not heard of, but I kind of just by the language in there, I think I might have an idea, but um, I would love to hear. Let's start there. Since I brought it up, let's start there. <laughs> tell, tell us what, what that is. So it's been people for years have talked about it right back to biblical times about like family curses, mm -hmm. right? And it's been scientifically proven that we hold our ancestors trauma in our DNA for up to three generations. And there's so much research now being done on epigenetics and all of this stuff. And it's one of the only programs in the world, at least that I know of, and now being studied by doctors and studied by psychologists and psychiatry in how to actually find those trapped emotions, those unrepressed emotions in our body and release them. Yeah. Wow. It's the coolest training and work where, you know, the presenting emotion, the presenting trauma can be one thing. And when you can track it to the base of it, the core of it, and where it actually came from and release it at that point, because they've proven now that it triggers unrepressed emotions will trigger your HPA access, which is your hypothalamus, pituitary adrenals, right? And we have adrenal fatigue going on everywhere. And so much of that is our emotions. Yeah. It's our emotions trapped in our body that are like, just deal with me and let me out. But wow. the crazy thing is your body can't tell the difference between those and being chased by an, a bear. Like it triggers your fight or flight response mode in the same way. And so it's something that I've brought into my practice in the last six months to really help clients that are like, you know, this is my presenting emotion and my trauma, but what are the emotions that are attached to it that maybe started at a way earlier date? Right. But also, what if it's not mine? What if this is actually trauma from my childhood or from my parents or my grandparents? Yeah, it's really cool stuff. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we've covered um, I guess we've covered this topic on the show a couple of times, but with looking at specific populations. So um, Joy DeGroote, for example, has done work on post-traumatic slave disorder and mm -hmm. the idea that some of the things that have happened that happened during the, the time of, of American slavery has uh, an emotional impact and, um, you know, has carried in the DNA of people today. Um, even the, and I don't know who did this research, so I can't really credit it at the, you know, on the whim like this, but there is um, also research looking at slave owners and how the DNA for the mindset of being able to be a slave, because there has to be some level of numbing to humanity that you have to be able to do. And that has also been passed on through the DNA, which is so interesting. Yeah. So yeah, this work is so necessary. I, I mean, I'm just thinking if, with, if, if those two populations alone if you could do work, <laughs> you know, in that, in those two areas alone, that's only, I mean, that's only the tip of the iceberg, you know, with hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's also like when it comes down to like conception, right? So mm -hmm. when you were raised under rejection, right? Because like we learned to bond in utero. That's where we learn yeah. that. That's where we learn love. That's where we learn all these things. And so even that, like when you were born. And this is a huge thing that I'm really focused on right now because, well, I'm writing another book about that is being raised in rejection because that's my oh. own part of my own story. Wow. But when you then get to this point where it's like people have an inability to bond and they don't know how. And when that even comes from the fact that like, I was talking to a client the other day and um, actually his, he gave me permission to talk to his mom. Cause I was like, I'm really curious what you, what conditions you were raised in and born under. And he was like, 
what? Doesn't want to know what was going on in his parents' lives, right? Yeah. But when you can look at that and be like, wow, just the, just, you know, how your parents were living at the time, their stress levels, your mom's emotions, all those things, how much that even affects you in utero, which now is causing emotional stuff like in your thirties and forties and fifties and sixties, right? When you can really even dive into that, like, it's just, it's so mind blowing how it all plays, right. And how it affects us in ways we don't even realize. Well, so, and that was the third, I'm so glad you said this because that was the third example of um, this phenomenon that I was going to mention is we also had um, Dr. Cleopatra from UCLA on the show and she deals with um, conception and helping women conceive, but she also has a whole program that helps to deal with all of those preconception emotions and traumas and things that are going on. So it's not passed on to the baby. So this stuff is real. I mean, so, so here I am saying, I don't know, what is some conscious imprinting techniques? And lo and behold, we've covered it three different times on the show. So to your point, this, is, this, this work is being done and this work is so important. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the only ways that I've seen it actually, like I've heard about it my whole life. Wow. Right. And I was raised in an old fashioned Mennonite environment. Right. So family from Germany and the U.S. and all over the place that I used to always joke that my family and heaven forbid they hear this. But there's like a pride of being poor and this poverty mentality. And I was like, why do we have this? Right. Like, Why do we have this? Like, we don't need this. We can actually succeed and we can thrive and we can do all these things. But I was like, wow, this is so genetic. Like, this is right back to like World War days that this is how we have to think. We have to feel is almost the mentality. And so breaking out of those molds, even in my own healing in my own life, right? This is such a thing. And so when I was doing my own work, that's when I found this program and it was the only one I could find that actually was like, no, no, no. This is how you like dig in, find it, heal Mm -hmm. it, release it and go. And it's been mind blowing the changes that my clients have seen that I've seen in my own life. It's really cool. Well, this is how, and so what is, how is this related to laughter, gratitude, and joy? Well, yes, these are some of the things that hold us back from laughter, gratitude, and joy. So this is a great foundation for this conversation. I'm really excited uh, to to learn more. So stay with us. Um, We'll be right back on the live exchange. All right. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. And today I'm joined by Don Taylor as we are having a conversation about laughter, gratitude, and joy, and um, a really great um, dialogue so far about really just kind of looking at some of those past emotions and past human, um, you know, experiences that get passed on from generation to generation. Um, I think we are going to go into trending topics. Um, so I'm, I'm going to um, just kind of, okay, great. <laughs> um, so this week trending, um, it is April Fool's, right? April 1st, a lot of people like to play some, you know, funny jokes and sometimes they're not so funny. Um, and so I wanted to just kind of reiterate a PSA, a public service announcement that has been really kind of, um, it always kind of circulates around April Fool's. Um, and it's the idea of faking pregnancy. So for a lot of people, um, this is a really sensitive topic. And so I want you all to just kind of think twice before you do kind of a public 
fake pregnancy joke. <clears throat> this is one of the most common for, um, for April Fool's. So the stats here, one in four of your friends will have lost a baby and one in six will be suffering with infertility. Um, and just a reminder that pregnancy is not a joke, could be more creative this April Fool's. And this really speaks to social media, you know, putting the, the fake ultrasound up and saying, you know, hey, I'm pregnant. And look, I've done it. I've done it a few times, um, you know, before I started seeing this this PSA, because of course, I never really thought about um, what some people may be going through. Um, and so it's interesting because, you know, it, it can be touchy. We can never really know what everybody is going through, but it is good to know and to have an awareness about how certain April Fool's jokes might impact um, certain people. So it's important to know that and to be aware of that. Um, if it's a joke that you absolutely must play on somebody, then just think about, uh, have a, have a, you know, just think more deeply about whether or not it should be done on social media or just maybe a more direct thing between two friends. I don't know. Um, do you have any thoughts about that, Don? It's it's an interesting thing that I'm sure a lot of people haven't thought about. Oh, totally. I think it's so hard, right? Everyone, people don't even know what trauma is, right? Yeah. And trauma is really any event, emotion, environment, or an emotion, or like, an action that has happened to you that's caused just like a really hard pivot in your life. Oh, that's a good way to describe it. Right. So people don't understand that it's more than just like, oh, you were attacked or, oh, something really, really bad happened. It can be something so huge and we'll have the exact same trauma responses with it. And so myself, right, having been one of those people that can't have kids and struggling with infertility, that, yeah, that was a hard one that always hit every year when I'd see everybody faking it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, but I think at the same time, we have to be careful that we don't, we don't go so far in the other direction that we can't actually even find humor in things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's right? the, yeah. I mean, there is the paradox of, of comedy, right? You know, sometimes it's, you know, it's, it, it, there is always a possibility that somebody is going to be, um, that, that it's going to hurt somebody or it's going to be offensive. And so how do you dance that line? And I think it's just a matter of, um, it's a matter of humanity. It's also mm -hmm. a matter of um, when you realize that something might be deeply hurtful for, to somebody, um, you know, just to be willing to hear it and listen. And 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So it's impossible to go through life not offending somebody. I don't think that's possible at all. <laughs> I offend people by having gray hair. Like <laughs> there's so many ways to offend people these days. Right. And so I really yeah. like I do. I think that it comes down to like, is this affecting a broader audience? Right. Is this really going to offend a lot of people? Right. I'm not going to dye my hair because one random dude stops me on the street and tells me I look hideous with gray hair. Like that's not and then it offends him. Right. But it's it's definitely just like stop, step back for a second and just think. Right. 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 No judgment, yeah. just curiosity. Just think, just stop and think about it for a sec before you do it. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So again, not necessarily intending to steal anybody's joy here on April 1st. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you must play a joke, you know, just think, just think about the impact that it might have um, on somebody and whether, cause it's always, it's intended to be a quick, let's have fun. And then let's move on. It's April 1st. Ha ha ha. Kind of like, thing. Go back to like old fashioned April Fool's day when it was like, 
you froze the milk in someone's cereal or you like, <laughs> right? Do you remember those days where it was like yes. super innocent? Right, right. Let's you do <laughs> you change someone's alarm clock or you change yeah. like you know you put salt instead of sugar in their coffee like I don't right. know I think that we need to like just like go back to the 80s <laughs> yeah, yeah let's have a little actual fun so yeah so that's that's generally that's basically uh today's trending topic so you know Dawn I want to get uh, you know really into um, your book and your content and, and some of the things that you're doing. And just as a reminder, or just to kind of bring everybody up to speed who might be just joining us, um, I'm here with Don Taylor, and she is an international trauma specialist, life coach, strategic, strategist, and um, she really works with um, helping to unpack some of these deeply seated emotions and some of this trauma so that you can have a life of joy. And so the book that I have um, that she wrote is P.S. I Made It, Finding Radical Joy After a Lifetime of Trauma. Um, the word lifetime caught me because I'm thinking, wow, you know, we have a traumatic experience. We have maybe a couple of things that have happened. Um, but when it's just kind of a series of things that just kind of collect over the course of your life, um, you know, that that can be really debilitating. I mean, heck, one event can be debilitating. Um, so one of, one of the things I want to ask you about is uh, the first chapter. And maybe I, you, you can just give us an overview of what this book is about. But I resonated deeply with this whole, I don't understand you. Um, and that idea that people kind of look at you like you're different, you know, or what you're just, you're not like most people I know. You're just a little you know, you were supposed to turn out this way or that way, but, you know, you're just this weird phenomenon. Um, can you talk to us about that? Oh, my gosh. In every area of my life, I feel. So we had mentioned earlier about, like, even, like, the family I was raised in and a lot of mentality around it. But having dealt with such an insanely large amount of trauma in my life, and I'm talking from, like, a mom who tried to miscarry me from a previous postpartum depression all like so raised with this inability to bond, not feeling loved, not knowing how to get love, to complete shame and rejection, even on a physical level by the age of nine. At 12, I broke my back. Wow. At 14, I was sexually abused. At 15, I had a severe eating disorder down to 87 pounds. At 16, I attempted suicide and I actually died. And they found me and revived me. Whoa. At 17, I had a brain aneurysm. I'm talking like three birthdays in a row in the hospital. And had a brain aneurysm and lost my entire identity, my hair color, my eye color, my skin color, my voice, my personality. And then life got hard. Wow. Right? Like that's when life started to get really hard and went on to deal with everything from infertility and drug addiction and hysterectomy and menopause at a young age to a husband almost dying multiple times, death of a parent, abandonment of a parent. Like wow. it's, it's been such an insane journey. And in all of that, right? Like the more things happened, the more I had to like put on masks, the more I had to like guard myself, the more I had to protect myself. And I remember walking into a room at one point and going, I don't actually know if anybody here knows me. Wow. Like if anyone here even has a clue who I am, because I was trying so hard to protect myself that in the process, I was also having to protect everybody around me. It felt like, mm -hmm. right. So what? that, 
they could handle me. <laughs> and right. I just always felt unseen. I always felt unheard. I've, I've never, I never felt understood. And I used to joke that it was, I was on my own little duck in my own little pond. But wow. then based on all those things, I think of life different and I process different. And then in my healing of all that and overcoming my trauma and dealing with it, that just like made me like different all over again, right? Like that just shifted me again. So right. the poor people around me, like my husband, he always joked we've had like 15 wives in 25 years because of all the change that's happened in my life. Right? But it is, it's a feeling of like not being understood. And I realized that in doing the work I do, the majority of people don't feel understood. They don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. They feel like they're the only one who's ever had that trauma. The only one who's ever hurt those hurts or felt those feels. And when you can sit with someone and be like, I get it. I've been there. I've done it. I get it. Now let's dig in and do the work. It's that piece of hope you can give people is that's probably my favorite thing in my entire job is that look on someone's face when you finally realize that they have hope. Yeah. Where they're like, you've been here. You've done it. Yes. <laughs> you've overcome and you have a plan for us. Like, I, So I'm curious because you just gave a list of, you know, if any one of those things happened to somebody, that would be kind of their story that, you know, here's where, what, you know, the traumatic thing that happened to me when I was 14 or, or so forth, um, you know, and you have, you, you named multiple things that happened. Is there, do you think that there was a, a predisposition where you just kind of predisposed to be more resilient or were there specific strategies that you just had to say, you know what, I need to wake up and adjust and pivot and, and make some kind of change to my life. Like how did this happen for you that you found joy after all of it? You know, I, I sat at my kitchen table one time and I think I write about it in my first book and I was done. I was out. I had fought it for so hard and I was so unhappy and so miserable. And I remember my husband looking at me one time and we've been together 25 years, actually next week, we started dating in grade 10, like we were kids. And he looked at me and he's like, Don, you don't dream anymore. And I was like, what? And he's like, you used to have a bucket list. You used to have dreams. You used to have like, you know, like I want to drive a red car. I want to you know, travel to Europe, whatever it was. He's like, you stopped dreaming. Hmm. And I was like, yeah, because I don't actually want to be alive. Wow. And he was like, what? And I was like, I can't imagine living in this head for the rest, for, for another like what, 20, 30, 40, 50, 70, 90 years. Like, I don't want to be in this head or this body for that long. I can't, I can't do this. Hmm. And he's always had a deal with me that as long as I fought for me, he would stick around and fight for me as well. Wow. Which some people get really mad at. I'm like, no best thing he ever did for me yes. right like healthiest <laughs> healthiest boundary to put in a relationship ever right and it really came down to I sat at my table my will was out my power of attorney was out the meals were in the freezer I was out I was out I was done mm. and I heard this little voice in my head just go one more time Don. just give it one more shot and I realized for me personally I was too much I was too much for doctors. I would sit in a psychiatrist or psychologist's office and I'd be like, yeah, so I have some trauma I need to deal with. And they'd be like, 
oh, okay. Yeah. Tell me what's going on in your life. And I'd start like listing these off, like my real, like a grocery list. And the minute their jaw would be like, Hmm. I would shut down because I'm like, oh, I'm now, you're now not safe because you can't handle the amount of pain I've had. Yeah. Right? Because they they couldn't handle it, right? So for me, I really had to look at it as a strategy of, and I came out of the aneurysm with a very masculine strategic brain, but I had to look at it as a strategy of like, okay, trauma one, how do you deal with that? How do you neurologically rewire someone's brain how do you deal with all the anger and the rage inside of you when everyone is telling you to have moments of gratitude and to meditate on it and you'll be okay right how do you actually deal with that how do you deal with that in marriage how do you deal with that in life how do you deal with trauma responses right when someone says something and you lose it and you're like oh well that was a big feel what Mm. just happened (laughs) yeah yeah wow how do you do that? And so that's really how I looked at it was I was like, and I know it sounds horrible. I gave myself like a D day. I was like, that's my day. I'm out. If I haven't healed, I'm out on that day. Hmm. And then I was like, I'm going to do anything and everything in my power over the next 365 days. Wow. To try to figure out my brain. Wow. That's really where it was. That, so this, so that's major. And and what do you do to figure out your brain? I mean, I know what academics do to figure out the brain. <laughs> what does a person who is working on healing themselves do to figure out their own brain? Yep. So I started with even just getting myself in a positive headspace, right? Mm-hmm. And I looked at, I looked at every single thing in my life that had happened to me. And I was like, where's the positive? And I know that sounds insane, But I did. And I had someone tell me that when I was a kid, they're like, if you can find one positive in every single bad thing that happens to you, you'll be 10 times further ahead than everybody else. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) But I did. I sat down and I had them all written on recipe cards, right? Like sexual abuse, broken bag, brain aneurysm. I had all these written out. And then I went back and I was like, okay, where are my positives? How many positives can I take out of this situation? Right. That's right? the, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a concept called the positivity ratio. It's just, and I don't know if this is directly what you're talking about, but the idea is that um, for every negative thing, find three or four positive things around that negative thing. Totally. Right. And that's, that's partially what it is. I guess I was just doing it before that was the concept. <laughs> but, right. It was like, how do I see a positive in this? So it was like broken back. I got to miss a lot of school. <laughs> right? <laughs> like dumb stuff, dumb stuff like that. Right. Everything like, take. Yeah. Right. Like anything and everything that I could find as a positive in the situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And I started with that. And then I started with one and I was like, okay, right off the bat, I need to get myself into a better headspace. So it's like simple things that I even tell people today. I'm like, get up, get up in the morning, set an alarm and get your butt out of bed, no matter how exhausted or depressed or sad or yes. whatever you are, get up. Yes. Put on some damn pants. Yes. Right. Like don't, don't sit around in your pajamas all day. Like it's, it's simple things like that, that have been proven to already improve our mental health. So why not start there? Right. right? Start yeah. there. Have food. Right. Like shift. Don't even look at the trauma at first. Start at like your basic core fundamental things of your day that could start you in a better headspace. 
And then literally pick one thing, pick one thing and be like, how does this get healed? What are my emotions and feelings on this? You don't have to tackle all of it. Right. Just you don't have to tackle all of it. This is so good. This is so good. Um, and there, and there, and some of these I've, I've folded into my own life as well. Um, we're going to dive more deeply into this. So stay with us. If you have questions, if you want to um, engage with us on our social media, um, definitely join us on Facebook on the Sensation Station Network. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and um, today we are talking about laughter, gratitude, and joy. And I'm joined by Don Taylor, who is an international trauma specialist, life coach, strategist, and um, it's so interesting um, the ways that she is um, sharing with us how she overcame or is overcoming. Because I would imagine it's probably a lifelong journey. Um, you know, her own trauma um, and how she has found joy um, in light of that trauma. And I, I want to give a little bit of, so it's hard to stay on track on this, on this episode. I have to tell you, Dawn, because your story, your story makes me want to just dive into the story and, and all of the other content just be gone, you know, but we do have to get into the research. So, I'll, <laughs> um, but we can totally tie this in, you know, to your story. Um, but looking at, um, it's an article by Jill, uh, I'm sorry, by Gail um, Wagnold, and she's talking about six proven ways um, to more joy and happiness in our lives. Um, and so in order to live a happier and more joy-filled life, um, the following six practices, if done daily and intentionally, will make a positive difference in your life. And it ties in beautifully to what you're saying. Get up, get out of bed put your two feet on the floor, put some pants on, you know, and, and sometimes you literally have to walk yourself through those steps to get yourself out of bed. I have most certainly have had days like that. Um, so I want to give the, the six um, ways that, that she gives in this article. Number one, identify those things that you're grateful for every day. So again, ties in perfectly with what you were saying, Dawn. Um, you may also want to keep a journal and just write those things down. And that helps a lot because, you know, if you feel like there is nothing, you can always open that back up and say, oh, yeah, you know, the, here are some things that I'm, I'm grateful for. Um, and you might want to consider writing, you know, thank you letters and notes to others. And actually, rather than just running right through these six, um, I, if you have any, you know, anything to add to, to any of these that I, I say, Don, feel free to jump in. So yeah. I'm going to pause you really quick on gratitude because I think people, it's such an overused word right now. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like intentional was the word a couple of years ago, right? Right. Oh, I just want to be intentional. And it was like, what does that even mean? Right. Gratitude is that way right now for a lot of people. And I get so many people that show up in my office and they're like, if you tell me, if you tell me to have a gratitude practice, I'm going to punch you in the face. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> right? I mean, how do you resolve that because it works so then right? how, yeah it totally does so one of the things that like that is easy for that if like if that is a word that triggers you if that is something that hard triggers you be like what are three things right now that make me happy yeah and what are three things in my life right now that are actually going really well but here's the catch to that it could be that you're just having a good hair day yes it could be that a bird chirped outside your window. Like, it doesn't have to be like, I won the lottery. Like, it doesn't yeah. have to be this big elaborate thing. And right. I think that's where people get so, 
like logistically almost confused with it yeah. is because there's this idea that it's like, I'm going to have this flowy scripting gratitude journal where I'm like, I am grateful for. And it's like, no, my life really sucks right now. Yeah. I'm not grateful for a damn thing, but yeah. maybe I can find something that made me smile today. Maybe I can find something that made me happy. So right. if, the, if the words gratitude are a trigger, just, just strip some wording on it for yourself. Yeah, we do tend to get kind of tired of those words that are overused. Like, so this week, I think 2020's word was pivot. We're going to pivot. We're going to pivot. And, uh, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm good with it. I'm a lover of words. I'm fine yeah. with it. But we do need to pay attention. If it if it is so oversaturated that you're numb to the word now, then find another way to look at it. Find another way to approach it. Um, yeah. But the idea is to grab onto those things that are positive in your life that you can to you, you know, the concept is amazing and it works. It it absolutely works. works. But we get so caught up in like that trigger response, right? It's a trauma response. Yeah. The actual words that then we don't actually see the practice behind it. That's so good. Thank you. Oh yeah. That's really good. So the, not the the other one is uh, number two is give to others, be kind to others and do things for others. This is actually one of the concepts I um, included in my book as well. Um, You know, when you pour out into an, another person, yeah. it it there's there's endorphins or there's there's this rush. There's something that happens inside of us that brings us joy as well. And do it without expectations. Yes. Yes. Right. Especially like if it's something you do struggle with, I recommend not doing it to people, you know, as funny as that sounds, because we end up adding weird expectations to that. Right. Where it's like, but I don't want to because then they're not going to say thank you or they're not going to, you know, have gratitude towards me for doing it. Right? Yes. 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 And it does the reverse of what we expected it to do. You know, now now we've got tension and now we've got resentment that's going on. So that's that's a really good point. Um, Number three, do things that are meaningful to you and that you are able to immerse yourself in. Um dive in deep, you know, like right now I am away. I went um, to, I drove off. I went to a lake. I didn't tell anybody. So those of you who didn't know, you know, now I'm hiding away somewhere and I'm immersing myself this week in my writing. I love to write. And so this is one of my happy places. One of my places of joy, find a way to escape and immerse. It doesn't always have to be an escape, but immerse yourself. (laughs) Is there anything that you've immersed yourself in that, that brings you joy? You know, it's funny. I also go to escape when I write and my next one is happening here in about two and a half weeks um, where I'm running away to write my next book. But I, I look at it as like not only joy, but something that calms me and something that I can do by myself or with someone else. Those are kind of like parameters I put on it because I find that like, we're so focused on happy Happy is something though that can be given and it can be taken away. Right. right? So there's a time limit on happy where joy is something that's internal. So if you can figure out how to get that feel, that's way bigger. Mm-hmm. And so oh, yeah. like sometimes for me, it's sitting in like listening to music and doing a puzzle or playing Lego. I love playing Lego. Oh, really? I oh. own more Lego than you could. It's embarrassing how much Lego I own because there's no words involved. There's no judgment attached to it in terms of like, you can't screw it up. Right. And there's something so cathartic about it. And I can sit and I can like sort pieces if I'm needing to do that, or I can tear a set apart or I can build a set or I can create something out of it. And it's this, 
activity that someone else can come and join me and actually I use yeah. it all the time in coaching with clients because oh, okay. there's something about like I can see often what's going on emotionally for them based on how they deal with the Lego pieces. Yeah. But it gives them something to focus on, right? Immerse yourself in it. Go collect Lego for a living, right? Like, (laughs) and you know, and and I and I also have I have a coloring book series for that same reason. Just just go somewhere, you know, and just immerse yourself in in coloring. So whatever it is for the for the individual, um, walking in nature, finding every single single waterfall within a two hour drive, like whatever it is, just find something. Yes. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, number four is care for yourself and treat yourself. This is exactly what you were saying before the break. The examples given here are sleep, move, eat well, get up. (laughs) So taking care of yourself makes you feel better. And this is one of the things that I also talked a lot about when, um, the pandemic first hit and we were going into quarantine and people weren't sure what to do with themselves. And they were, you know, on the brink of, depression and isolation. Um, I, I, one of the things I said is the most important thing is make sure you get up every day, take a shower, get dressed, you know, do whatever you do. If you put makeup on, if you don't put your jewelry on, whatever it is that you do, make sure you maintain that routine. Yeah. Well, that, and because we've lived in a state of rejection for so long as society, as a race, as whatever, whatever it is, right? Like, it's this consistent theme I'm seeing right now is that people were raised under the spirit of rejection or they've lived in a state of rejection. Well, part of that is we reject ourselves. Yeah. Right. So we reject ourselves because of our looks or our weight or because somebody took advantage of us or abused us or hurt us or whatever it is. And sometimes like the biggest form of self-care can be slowing down for a moment and like lovingly applying lotion. to yes. your body. Yes. Especially right? for us whose love language is physical touch. And 100%. this is, you know, and I know that, you know, some the five love languages for those of you who aren't, who aren't familiar, one of them is physical get familiar. If you're not get get familiar, familiar. Amazing. And not only do you apply, you know, expect to receive and give the, that love between somebody else, give that love to yourself. Yes. If your love language is physical touch and you are single, I'm my book that's coming out is joyfully single. And it's like, people are like, how the heck can you be joyful when you're single? And it, you know, apply those love language, um, you know, attributes to yourself, physical touch, just like you said, apply lotion to yourself slowly. I don't care how weird you think it sounds, do it. <laughs> Not like this, because you're just trying to like leather up, right? Like uh, yeah, loving it. yourself, right? Cook yeah. yourself, take the time to make yourself a beautiful meal. This doesn't yeah. have to cost money, by the way. Like this doesn't have to be a huge thing, right? right? But like, just like step back, step back and actually be like, body, what do you need? Oh, this is so good. Okay, so we got to go to a break because okay. the cooking the food thing, that's my thing. Like just, <sighs> but anyway, okay, we're going to come back. So stay with us. <laughs> we'll be right back on the live exchange. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and today I'm joined by Don Taylor, who is helping me unpack this whole idea of laughter, gratitude, and joy. Um, great conversation um, so far. And we're going through six different ways to bring more joy and happiness into our lives. And uh, just to recap, the first one was to identify those weight, those things that you're grateful for. Number two is to give to others. Number three, do things that are meaningful to you um, and that you're able to 
immerse yourself in. Uh, and number four, I want to just sit here for a minute. <laughs> and this is the one that's care for yourself and treat yourself. Um, and we were talking about, and I, I kind of brought in the love languages and um, physical touch is one of mine. Quality time is one of mine too. Um, and uh, so just because you don't have, maybe you may not, might not have somebody who are doing those things for you, believe it or not, you can actually do these things for yourself. Um, and one of the last things we mentioned before the break that Dawn mentioned before the break is cook, cooking for yourself. And that's one, I don't know what it is about that, but I love it so much. I love curating like this awesome collection of food, especially because it's, I always bring together healthy stuff. And it, for some reason, it just makes me feel so good. And what is it about that? I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's because we're actually doing it for us and not somebody else. And especially around food. So much of food is being, is about celebrating with people and spending time with people. And, but it's also probably one of the number one complained about things from every single mom on the planet. <laughs> to like make another meal. Yeah. Another child. Like, <laughs> you know, I the day where it was like, I had no idea when I signed up to get married that it meant, that, that meant choosing dinner every night for the next 50 years. Uh. Right. And I think that, so when you're like, when we consistently are just having to serve, 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 serve other people within that area of our lives. But it's also something that's been almost bastardized in a way, because like you can go get a fast food meal in under two minutes. Right. Right. right? Like all the, all the feeling attached to it has slowly been taken away Mm. over the years that now when you can sit down, when you can like, you know, turn on the music and have that glass of wine if you want and like slowly chop your vegetables and do all those things. Like it's this beautiful act of self-love, but it's also very meditative. Oh my gosh. You know, it's so fun. And, and I guess the reason why it's resonating, because I was just talking to my mom last night about this. And I said, like, I take my meals seriously. I mean, the music has to be right. And <laughs> the lighting. Like, I, yeah. And she mentioned lighting. She's like the lighting, like the, I, it has to be right. I don't want anybody calling me while I'm trying to enjoy this amazing thing that I put together. And it is a serious thing for me. And it has, and it has, it, it started out as a self-care thing, you know, and then it just has evolved into like my moment, my time. And <laughs> totally like Tim Ferriss talked about this and I think his like four hour work week book, give him the credit for it. But like, he talked about like the four hour meal and how like that used to be a thing where we'd like sit and enjoy and there was no like I need to check my phone and I have to update my Instagram or my Facebook or my Twitter and I need to like check on the sports games like right back when you used to just like sit and leisurely like love yourself love your people in this community way yes it doesn't so it's exist anymore yeah yeah no I get it because around food we we have we commune we bond and so I guess maybe that's why it's such a big thing for me when I do it by myself because I'm communing and bonding and loving with, with your body. myself. Oh, that's so good. And you're I, nourishing it, right? You're yeah. nourishing it. You're nourishing your mind. And like, think about it. You're meeting your own love languages because you're feeling the touch of the food. You're feeling the, like it's quality time with yourself. It's an act of service to yourself. It's a gift to yourself, yes. right? Like 
you're making me want Short to- of words of affirmation, which is like, just tell yourself you made a damn good meal, right? Oh, like Words of affirmation is taking your camera and snapping a picture and posting it and be like, yeah, look what I just right? did. <laughs> but like, it's this amazing way to complete love yourself. Yeah. So, so we're going to, we're going to go, we're at the top of the hour and I have to let you all know that I asked Dawn to stay with us because, um, we can't, there like, this would have been the end of the conversation, Dawn. And so I'm so glad you're staying with us because we're not like, we haven't even scratched the surface. Um, and so I'll, I'll say the two, the last two is take time to reflect on the positive things on yourself and then finally practice living in the moment and appreciating where you are. Those are big. So we're going to come back to those. Um, so continue, we're going to continue, stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome to the second half of the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela and we are here every Thursday from 11 to 1 to talk humanity, intellect and change. And today we are talking about laughter, gratitude and joy. And I'm joined by um, coach and international trauma specialist Don Taylor. And i um, just been having a really great, robust conversation about what it means to bring joy into our life. It is already one of my favorite topics and one of my favorite things to delve into. I've been doing a lot of research on joy and what it means and how it's manifest in our lives and how we can create it. Um, and now I get to have Don join me to dissect this really fun conversation uh, with me. Um, but, you know, and, and it's not all uh, fun and games, but we are, you know, definitely looking at the traumas that might inhibit our joy and how to um, address those traumas as well. So um, I am going to, we're, I, I, we're going to go, I think we're going to a break and then um, we're going to come back and we're not, I don't think we are going to a break. Um, <laughs> and so we're just going to keep this going. Um, and so the last, one of the things that we were doing in the last hour, we were giving six ways to, to bring joy into our life. Um, and so number five was take time to reflect on the positive things about yourself and on those things that went rather well than focusing on the things that didn't. Um, this brings to mind a concept that I hear spoken a lot, and this will be a great place to bring this in, um, which is called false um, joy or um, false positivity. Um, and this idea that I'm just gonna be happy, 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 and plaster happy on my face and be joyful, joyful, but I'm really just not, I'm not okay. So there's a, there's a, point where you want to practice joy, you want to practice the go through the motions until you get there, because sometimes we do have to just fake it until we get there. But there's also this level of we're faking ourselves out, we're faking other people out, we're not doing the healing, and it is truly this false positivity. Um, where's the difference and where's the line? Well, one thing that comes to mind that I talk about often with clients is we have this idea as a society where either we're like, if your emotions are on a scale of one to 10, there's like zero is I just want to be dead. Mm -hmm. 10 is like the epitome of the utmost joy, excitement, laughter, whatever it is. For some reason, we have this idea that life is only lived between like zero and three and like eight to 10. Mm, right. Right. And so when we talk about our days that we're extremists, where we're like, no, 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 I had like, it was an eight, it was a nine, it was the best day of my life. And if it wasn't the best day of my life, I wish I was dead. Like we yeah. go so far to the extremes. Yeah. 
And I often talk to clients about this. I'm like, you know, what if you actually started figuring out what your days really were? Like if you rated every single day in a year, you know, majority of your days, you actually live between four and seven. Right. Yeah. Not a bad thing. That's very normal. Like you only know the high if you've had the lows. You only know good if you've had bad, right? Right. <laughs> Until you've had really bad barbecue or really good barbecue. You don't know the other one or, right. or a burger, right? But we forget that. We forget that. And so I think that that's a really big piece of it is we we give these overarching like, no, no, no. It was the worst year of my life. Really? Because one of the worst years of my entire life, I averaged a six. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And I've had a really crazy life. And one of my worst, I figured it out. I actually, because I tracked it every day for about four years, I tracked my emotions and where I was at. I averaged like it was a six or a 6.5. And I was like, oh, oh, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. Wow. Right? And I think I think that's such a big piece of it is that, but also we spend so much time giving permission to the universe and everybody around us to determine our emotions and determine our feelings. So it's like, I'm only going to feel joy if all of you make me feel this way. If all of these situations make me feel this way, instead of being like, no, I actually am in charge of my emotions. I'm in charge of my feels. I get to decide how I'm going to feel. And I get to express it in the way that I want to express it. And that, you know, that, that that's another, and we'll, we'll dive into it because we have to go to a break, but um, people who stifle our joy expression and say, why are you acting like that? That's a little over the top. You need to calm down. That That's, yeah, that's an issue too. So no, they need to rev up. <laughs> right, right. You need to rev up. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so stay with us. We will be right back on the live exchange. All right. Welcome back to Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I am joined by coach internet and international trauma specialist Don Taylor. And we are talking about how to bring joy into our life. We're looking specifically at laughter, gratitude, and joy. Um, and in the last uh, segment, we were talking about you know, take time to reflect on the positive things about yourself and those things that went well. And, uh, and I threw in joy expression. Um, it, it's, it's so important. We, we, I think it's stigmatized in, in some settings and some contexts to really um, be happy, just to release those inhibitions and to express that joy and, and, and just let it out, laugh, dance, you know, all of those things. I know that I was in a relationship in which it was really, um, you know, if I were to, get some great news and jump for joy and run around the room. It was kind of like, what are you doing? You know. <laughs> so I stopped doing it. You know what I mean? And so, you know, and these kinds of things happen not only with joy expression, but any of the other emotions. If we're extremely sad and maybe we're in a situation where it's not safe to cry or it's not safe to be angry. And so then we, you know, we, we tend to modify our expression of these emotions to fit into what the other expectations are of other people. Don't dim your light. Don't dim your light. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, you, you've got to, that is part of the experience. So when we talk about bringing joy into your life, part of that experience is the, the ability or the willingness or the freedom to be able to express the emotions that we feel. You know, one thing that I love about this is, 
I feel like we all need to realize that we have different buckets of people, right? Like different layers of people in our life. And we have people who are going to give, we have people who are going to take, and we have equals. Yes. Right. And I often say like, find a brag partner. Mm, I love it. One person who, and for years, this was my little brother for years where I'd phone him and I'd be like, you good? I have a brag. And he'd be like, not in the headspace. I'll call you when I am. Okay, cool. <laughs> like we had really cool boundaries around it. Uh-huh. But when he called me back, he'd be like, go. And oh, I'd be like, oh my gosh. And I'd like lose it. And he would like overreact and he'd like uh-huh. scream and yell and cheer and support me or like be angry on my behalf or oh my whatever God. it was. Right. But we'd have these like big elaborate moments, but it would never be about the other person. It would never like, they would never try to bring themselves into it. They would just solely celebrate the hell out of you. Oh gosh. That's so amazing. Right. But then I'd be like, thanks. And he'd be like, talk to you later. And then, you know, a day, a week, a month later, he'd be like, I got to brag. And I'd be like, go. <laughs> brag sometimes it. it can be a sibling. It can be a parent. It could be a friend. It could be a total stranger that you're like, God, dude, want to be my crazy brag person? Oh, God, I love it. But find like one. We need that. We need those moments to be up because in, in the everyday world, you know, in the workplace, it might not even be safe to brag, you know? And, and so to have somebody who, yes, if this is our moment, you know, we're going to do that. And, and that's, so that's one emotion. I know me and my cousin have another one. Like if we are just like, ah, angry, we have a code word that we send each other and we know, Oh, got to call her. <laughs> Um, and then another childhood. We have another word, a whole other word with a whole other friend who, um, if we're in danger, you know, we have a word that we'll, you know, either text to each other or if we're on the phone and we'll say the word casually. And then we know, okay, big trouble, you know. Um, and thankfully that word really hasn't needed to be used, but. Um, we need these code words. Yes. I love we it. We need this, right? Yeah. Like, I have one in my marriage where if. If my husband asks me how I'm doing and I say melting, he's like, oh, okay. And it's already set up. Like melting is like not holding it together real well, exhausted. My emotions are tanked. I don't know if what I'm going to say is going to come out appropriately. I probably need to just like have a real big hug and like a timeout. But in those moments, we can't say all that in a healthy way. Right. We We snap, we, we react in some way. Right. So like, if you can have those code words in your relationships, friends, family, loved ones, whatever, to be like, mm, melting. And they're like, okay, this is what she needs if she says she's melting. Let's get yeah. on this, right? Oh, this is so good. And and what you said about having buckets of people, everybody can't be that in every yeah. moment. Everybody can't be the brag partner. Everybody can't be the, you know, the, the code word, I'm in danger person, you know. And so to know who can be what and and to have that kind of agreement and understanding you know that is just i love it so much i'm i'm going to build all of these things i'm going to get a brag partner um, <laughs> i mean i and i do i have certain people that when something goes really well i can text them and say hey guess what just happened um kind of thing but i think like to to establish it formally and say look I need a brag moment. And here's how I need the response to be. I need to be able to be overjoyed and to scream about it. And and can you scream with me? <laughs> 100%. Girl, I'll be your brag partner. I love it. 
No, I think we're about to be like a new level of best friend here because there's just yeah. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> we can talk after. But it's like, but it's a thing, right? And it's it's all about acknowledging where somebody else is at and their emotional intelligence, and that it doesn't make them good or bad if they can't meet you where you're at. Yeah. Right. I always equate it to food. Like you can't live on cotton candy, but you also can't live on just steak and lobster. Like you need a variety. You need to like check out the whole grocery store. Yeah. And friends are the same. People are the same. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So I'm probably going to cite you on that because that's going to be written in a book somewhere. So just (laughs) (laughs) we'll be right back. Stay with us on the live exchange. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela and I am, we're we're having a great conversation about gratitude, laughter and joy. I'm joined by Don Taylor, international trauma specialist and a life coach strategist and um, loving the strategies that are coming out of today's show. Um, we're going to go into the research, but I got to give you the last point of last hour's research. We stretched it out so much, you know, which is great. Um, But the the last piece about uh, proven methods of joy and happiness, the last one, number six, was practice living in the moment and appreciating where you are and what you are doing now. Mm. Take that moment in fully and slowly. You, You mentioned earlier, Don, do things slowly. Take your time. Take it all in. A really cool way to do that is when you're in a moment to really super imprint it onto your brain is to like stop in a moment. You could be like standing in the middle of nature in your yard. You could be in the middle of a a group of friends and they're all laughing around you. Stop and close your eyes and just go through all of your senses. Mm. Right. Just like run through all of your senses and really embrace it and look around and then just like whisper to yourself, I will never forget this moment. Ah, that's so great. Later in life, it's amazing how that actually psychologically imprints on your brain in a totally different way because you've attached feeling and emotion to it and your senses. And you can go back at later times and you can be like, you can just like pull them up like your own like card catalog index sort of system where you can all of a sudden like go through all these moments again. It's a really cool way to like ground yourself presently in a moment. So you see what we're saying when we say life coach strategist, Don has these strategies that are just. (laughs) I'm such a strategy brain that I'm like, no, no, no. It's not just talk. Let's give you like how to do this. Logistics. Practical, practical things. I, I mean, I love it. I love it. People ask me all the time, how do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? And it's things like this. It's things like exactly that. I'm going to just, you know, stand outside, take it all in, feel everything. And, you know, I've never added the words. This is a day, a moment I'll never forget. So now I'm going to start doing that. Um, (laughs) But it's just amazing because you're imprinting it on your brain. And just for those of you who maybe didn't catch the first, very first part of the show, one of the, you know, I guess roles or one of the things that Dawn also does is she is a a subconscious imprinting techniques professional, um, which really looks at the imprint of emotions and and that, that comes through our DNA from traumas that might have been experienced from people that were, you know, our ancestors or people that came well before us, but it's passed on to us. And we are somehow dealing with these emotions that we don't even know are there. 
Um, oh, and so, yeah, so if you could just recap that real quick for anybody who might have missed that. Yeah, for sure. So picture like a computer and it's your computer except for everybody else's browsers are open. Yes. Right? <laughs> everybody else has all of their tabs, like all your relatives, every conversation you've ever had, every teacher, magazine, movie, music, speaker, your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents, right? Because it's been scientifically proven we hold our ancestors' trauma in our DNA for up to three generations. Wow. Like look back three generations of the traumas they were living, right? Right. And now that is what we're dealing with. And then we wonder why our computer is running really slowly or why we have spam coming up or why we have weird bots going on. Mm -hmm. And it's because we have all of this going on. So when you can go in and actually like figure out those browsers, who opened them and closed them, all of a sudden everything just gets a whole lot better. So here's what's interesting. Um, There's some things that we may never know about, right? We may yeah. never, ever, ever know some of the things that our parents went through, that their parents went through and so forth. Um, how do we still, you know, what kind of work do you do to help somebody work through something that, you know, they may not even know is there? And I, and I, I think I know the answer because you mentioned about how a, an emotion presents and it might not be yours, but how do you, get to the root of something like that? Oh, so many ways. So many ways. It can be done in a more energetic, energetic, spiritual way with like muscle testing and stuff, if that's the style. Sometimes though, especially with men, I work with 60 to 70% men and they have to logic through it, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll actually like on a massive whiteboard map out like, okay, this is the thing you hate about yourself. Hey, let's look at your parents. How were they raised? What is their generational stuff? Where are they from? What is their culture? What is like, and all of a sudden you start to map this out and you're like, holy cow, look at these like connecting dots of like character traits or connecting dots of traumas or, you know, and all of a sudden you can help somebody understand the people around them in a totally different way. But you can also start to see their stories and I often get told that's one of my superpowers is being able to really see somebody's story really quick without actually knowing anything. Wow. Right. So when it's like, I was working with a guy this last week and it was funny because he then went on, like we've been working together for a few weeks and every time we unpack more of like his family stuff, I'm like, Oh, I bet your dad is like this because of this and this and this and this and this that you mentioned about how your grandparents are and how your aunt is. Mm. And like, that would have caused this kind of emotion. Can you see that that's why he behaves in this way that you hate? Wow. And he's like, oh, <laughs> no. right? So then I love him. He goes to his parents and he's like, guys, this is why you behave this way. <laughs> and his dad broke down in tears, sobbing, wow. and was like, how wow. did she know? Which opens up this whole new level of communication yes. where now they can start healing within the family even about what's gone on. So what what about families that are disconnected where they don't have that? And, and it looks like we have about 30 seconds, but what yeah. is it still possible when you just have no contact or connection with those 100%. families? Okay. 100%. Yeah. yeah. This is powerful stuff. Um, so when we come when we come back, um, we're gonna look at what we were supposed to look at in this last segment, <laughs> and look at what gratitude does. Even though that's the the, the trigger word and the word that we've become known to in many ways, we're gonna look at the benefits of it. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. And today um, we are talking about laughter, gratitude, and joy. And um, I'm joined by Don Taylor, who's really helping to unpack all of this and dissect this uh, this phenomenon of laughter, dra- gratitude, and joy. Um, and one of the, the things that I wanted to bring to you are seven scientifically proven benefits of gratitude, what this does for us when we can be grateful, when we can walk in that every day and pay attention to the things that are good in our life. Um, And then I'll just go through these really quickly, but um, gratitude opens the door to more relationships. And actually, let me tell you where this came from. Um, It comes from uh, Amy Morin. She's a psychotherapist and she's the author of 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, (laughs) which I really love. I love that angle. Um, Right? Um, gratitude opens the door to more relationships. So not only does saying thank you constitute good manners, but showing appreciation can help you win new friends. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. Um, gratitude moves, uh, improves physical health. So grateful people experience fewer aches and pains and report feeling healthier than other people. Um, not surprisingly, grateful people are also more likely to take care of their health. Um, I love it. It's a cycle. It's it's reciprocal. And you feel better. You want, you want to keep feeling better. So you're going to take care of yourself. Totally. Yes. And uh, number three, gratitude improves uh, psychological health. Um, It reduces a multiple of toxic emotions from envy and resentment to frustration and regret. Uh, That's kind of major. (laughs) You know what a line that I love is how can life get even better right now? Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Easy line that you can ask yourself multiple times a day. But what it's doing is it's telling you life is actually already pretty darn good. Yeah. Right. It's not saying, how can my life get better? It's like, how can life get even better right now? Right now. Even better. The even better acknowledges that it's great. That's so great. I love it. The uh, number four is um, it enhances gratitude, enhances, enhances empathy and reduces aggression. Um, grateful people are more likely to behave in a pro-social manner. Uh, number five, grateful people sleep better. Um, and, and I'm hesitating to write this part or say this part, but I'm going to say it. Writing in a gratitude journal improves sleep. <laughs> yep. Number six, gratitude improves self-esteem. A 2014 study published in the Journal of Applied Sports Psychology found that gratitude increased attitude, uh, athlete self-esteem, which is an essential component to the to optimal performance. And that performance translates to all different areas of our lives. And last but not least, gratitude increases mental strength, term that I like to call mental stamina. Um, for years, research has shown that gratitude not only reduces stress, but it may also play a major role in overcoming trauma. Yeah. So your thoughts on all of that. It's really just about these 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 physical, psychological, it, it, uh, interpersonal benefits of gratitude. We so quickly go to the negative. Like we're, we're genetically wired to we are. negative, right? Yes. As, as like a human race, that's just actually where we live. Yes. Right. And so when we can shift the positive, when we can start to shift our perspective, when we can start to like pause in these moments and go, wait, what if this is a story I'm creating in my head? 
what if this is something that's actually not truth and it's an assumption I'm making or something I'm creating, yeah. right? Because we so often do that. But even in the trauma, like we're always so caught up as if it's still happening to us when mm-hmm. it's not often. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I was talking to a client about this last night and I was like, just a heads up. And she goes, what? And I was like, you're safe. And she went, what? Mm-hmm. And I was like, the trauma ended 20 years ago. Wow. Right. Like they're not still physically hurting you. They're not still actually doing these behaviors and these actions. And she just started crying and she's like, they're not. And I was like, how amazing is that? Right. Like that's even something to have gratitude for. Mm -hmm. Right. And to be grateful for. And I think that's where we forget to look. We forget to look at those things where it's like, yeah, but I'm, but I can't work right now. You know what? But you're alive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's so good. But I can't this. Yeah, but you're this. Right. And my husband always laughs. He's like, you're just like, you're living in your little optimist bubble. And I was like, no, it's real. It's reality. Right. It's not if a glass is half empty or half full. Um, They're refillable. That's actually how cups work. Yep. <laughs> right? It's not that yeah. the door is closed and the, you know, it's not that the door is closed and a window has to open. No, you just like turn the doorknob and try again because that's actually how they work. Right. Right? right. And because things come up against us though, we're so quick to just like curl and die. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think that is it is. It's so true. Just like focusing. And you know what? Whether you write it down or you have a special journal or you do it in elaborate wording or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's this feeling when you lay down in bed at the end of the day of like, okay, what was my overall feel today? What was my overall emotional state today? What are three things I used to tell myself all the time? And it was one of the gratitude exercises I personally did to get me through was what are three things that make me happy that don't include anybody else around me? Mm. maybe it was like the cheese danish from a local restaurant maybe it was because i hugged the palm tree that day maybe it's like what are three things though what are three things that make me really stinking happy if i do them yeah not even joy just happy the smell of fresh cut grass clean sheets on my bed right like what are they but then the second piece of that are what are three things in my life that are going really good right now Mm -hmm. that could be it that that could be your gratitude practice it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be like, no, you have to go buy this $25 three month journal. And then you have to make sure that you have a special pen and you meditate on it and you have candles and like, it doesn't have to be that. And I think that's where people get so caught up in it. Yeah. The idea of it being a practice, right. Where it's like, you could just lay a night in bed at night and do your three and three. That's what we call it in our house is what are your three and three? I love it. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. I mean, and, and uh, you know, I think it also allows us to be more present with where we are emotionally and what we're feeling emotionally. So if we realize that there is a place, there's something deep in my gut that just doesn't feel good. And I don't know what it is today. I don't know what that is. Um, I think it's important to be honest with ourselves about, I don't know why I'm carrying this thing today. Something's on me today. What is it? And and I do this a lot and I get to the root of it and I'm like, oh, it's what such and such said to me this morning and I never really let it go. And, you know, let me, you know, and so acknowledge it when you feel that 
gut or whatever that thing is. And I think this is where the false positivity comes in because you're feeling that, but you ignore it and you're saying, oh, no, but the trees are pretty. And, you know, but it's like, wait, <laughs> the trees are pretty, but the house beside them is burning down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, so let's, you know, acknowledge what we need to acknowledge um, while we're doing the gratitude. You know, we don't want to ignore or abandon those things that need to be addressed. If you feel, you know, one of the, one of my friends told me, you know, you, uh, you, you seem to be so self-aware because I, I will say something in the moment. I'll say, you know what? I don't know what it is, but I have a heaviness in my heart right now. And I'm not sure what it is mm-hmm. and I'm not sure why. And then I'll kind of go back through it. And I've done it with a couple of friends in the past and they're just like, how do you even know to do that? How do you even know to, I got to track back to something. And, you know, most people just move on to the next thing. Like, I'm going to just figure out how to feel better, you know? And so, so just being in tune with our emotions, I think are, is extremely important. Well, an easy way to see it though, is where there's density, there's something. Yeah. Yes. Right. So like, if you're having a strong emotion to something, if you're having a strong reaction to something, if you are, like bursting into tears when you talk about something, there's density there. Like there's something going on behind the scenes. Right. Time to dig in and figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we can't ignore those things, you know? And so by talking about laughter, gratitude, and joy, um, it also means digging up what is coming out of you. And what is that about? What Where's that coming from? Um, and so we have to acknowledge those things, address those things, um, so that they don't, they don't block our joy so that they don't, you know, hold us down and, and make it, um, difficult. So, so I have a question because as you're talking about all these things, I'm remembering the laundry list of traumas that you gave us in the first hour of the show. And I'm wondering, do you have, (laughs) do you have moments of relapse where you fall into the spiral of that trauma? And, you know, or do you just get to the point where it just doesn't phase you anymore? You know what? When you can come to actually complete healing, it doesn't phase you anymore. What does happen is every once in a while, I'll have an interesting trauma response to something and like an exaggerated emotion. And my husband always laughs at me when I have them because he's like, I love how aware you are of them. And I'm like, oh, something's going on here. And so I'll give you an, like a real life situation is about probably around like Christmas, January, something like that. I was watching a TV show and they said something about like being fat and ugly. And I was like, Ooh. like, you know, <laughs> like that moment you're like, well, I don't like that. And I had this like immediate reaction to it. And then I just kind of brushed it off. And I was like, interesting, like interesting that I reacted so strongly to that. Walked away, ignored it. Then I'm watching a TV show probably a week later and it, got set again. And that time I was like mad. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, there's something there. Uh, like, there's really something there. Like, this is yeah. interesting. And here's the difference is I now look at it as, Oh, that's cool. There's something still in there. There's like a scab I can pick. It's just going to give me a new layer of healing. Right. It's just going to give me like a new, I'm going to level up a little bit more because I'm going to heal one more piece of me instead of the normal feeling, which would be like, Oh, Something's broken about me. And I was like, no, this is cool. There's something there. And then my husband said it. And I was like, I know I'm reacting in a really big way, but this is really bothering me that you said that. 
holy crazy lady, right? And I went on this big rant and I was like, why are fat and ugly connected? And why does society connect those two things? Because I know fat people that are like really beautiful and I know skinny people that are really ugly. And I went on this like rant, right? Wow. And then I was like, sorry, you didn't deserve that. I was like, but I'm going to check back on this and I need to go figure this out. And I went and I started journaling this out. And if you're interested after the break, I can explain how I did it. But I started writing and writing and writing about it. And all of a sudden it came out the ugly truth, right? The ugly truth inside of it all that caused the emotion was what came out of my pen. Right. And sorry, we have to pause for a break. So now you guys have to come back after the break to hear what came out of my pen. (laughs) Yes. So stay with us and come back. Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and today I am joined by Don Taylor as we are talking about laughter, gratitude, and joy. And right before the break, uh, she was telling us how she identified something that's a trigger for her and what she did to address it. And there was some magicalness that you wrote in your journal. So tell us about what you did. <laughs> so for starters, if you ever feel some sort of like you know those feels, the feels that really wreck you, and they start to show up in really interesting ways. One of the things that I've learned how to do over the years is how to actually journal those out to get different emotions. And so for me, it was the trigger words of ugly and fat. And it's been a it's been a thing in my head, right, since the brain aneurysm when I doubled my body size on steroids. And so I started to like rumble in this and really sit in it. And what I do when I journal is I literally sit down and I write out over and over and over and over and over and over and over what my trigger is. So I literally like pages and pages and pages of ugly and fat, fat and ugly, ugly and fat, fat and ugly, ugly and fat, fat and ugly until all of a sudden my pen wrote the following. And I actually, during the break, grabbed my journal to read it directly. Please. Yes. These people are not loved. These people are not successful. And I was like, oh, Mm. there's the ugly truth behind all of this that is hurting me without reading for pages and pages. At the end, I wrote, I just had the biggest cry and aha moment. The reason I have held myself back is because if people have a reason to walk away, because I'm fat, because I'm ugly, because I'm a failure, because I'm not rich, because I'm not successful, whatever it is, then I have something to blame it on. It's not because I am unlovable. Wow. And I was like, oh, dang. And then I wrote a really bad word after that that I won't say. <laughs> so I was like, oh, <laughs> that is an ugly truth. But wow. you know what's amazing is like the ugly and fat was the presenting emotion. That was the presenting thing that I was so mad at. Yeah. When you can actually like dig into that. And I mean, that's insight into like one of the ways that I work through my own stuff is like once I hit that, I was like, oh, my gosh. That's what's holding me back. Well, now I can deal with the rejection of myself. Now I can deal with those emotions. Now I can process and analyze that, right? Now I can actually get help on that. I can I can heal that piece, right? Right, And I can be like, where did that belief come from? Where did that lie in my head come from, hmm. right? Because that's really what it is. This is an ugly truth that was wired into my brain at some point. And for me, I could trace that right back to a conversation that I overheard when I was nine. Wow. Right. Well, now I can do like the subconscious imprinting technique on it. I can do that stuff and I can heal that. And now I can thrive and survive. Right. And I can do all the things I want to do. because it's not holding me back. Right. So in my life, yes, with, with all of the crazy that's gone on, I do <laughs> randomly find those little things where I'm like, Oh, 
really big trigger. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How am I going to do that? And the beauty in discovering that is, oh, I get to heal in another way now. Now I get yeah. to go to a new level of healing, which, which translates to a new level of living. And so, totally. so this is why it's important to get excited about these things. I know it may sound odd to people because it's an opportunity to, to dive into that healing. Um, so, and so this is what, what I'm loving what you're demonstrating for us, because what you're basically demonstrating for us is that it are, are the strategies that people can learn strategies. Um, and I'm, you know, I believe that what I'm hearing is that in the work that you do, you're teaching your clients strategies so that they are, when they are by themselves and something triggers them, they know what to do and they recognize it and they can take action on it. It's actually, it's something that I offer that if, I think is different than a lot of people out there. And so I'm going to challenge like coaches do more of this is yeah. therapists or whatever it is, is I have a deal with my clients that like, is one of my packages that they can actually call me, text me, email me whenever they need to, if they're dealing with something. Mm-hmm. And so they don't, they aren't afraid to contact me in between sessions. So like I woke up this morning to like three or four emails from people being like, Holy had this like crazy meltdown. This is what went down. This is how I dealt with it. This is how I processed it based on what you taught me last week. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I give them access to that. But I also like, I have two emails sitting right now in my inbox where they're like, Hey, when you have a break, can you call me? But I'm good. Right. Yeah. I can call and I can walk them through and talk them through their trauma response almost in real time. Right. To be like, yeah, that happened. Okay. Now let's walk you through it and how to deal with it and how to process it. And where did that come from? And right. That's such a big part of it is I don't want, I don't want someone's healing to be about me. I want it to be about them and they need to be the superhero in their own rescue. Right. And so by teaching those strategies and giving people the tools to actually like, this is the whole mentality of like teach a man to fish instead of just feeding him. Right. Exactly. And that's, that's really a core value of how I run my business is how can I teach you to outgrow me and to I love it. be doing so good. You don't need me. Yes. It begs the question about therapy and psychotherapy versus coaching. And, you know, I have a coaching school. I teach this stuff all the time, but I need, we need to talk about this because we're talking about trauma And I think that what I am seeing here is that because coaching tends to be about focusing on the now and the future and how you can um, strategize to get to where you're trying to get to or strategize. And so what I'm hearing is a lot of strategy um, and it feels very different than therapy. There are certainly cases where therapy is needed. So Mm -hmm. what would be the difference in your, you know, in terms of how you would describe it? Well, I think therapy is a lot of critical thinking, right? So it's a lot of talk therapy, which works so well for some people. Yeah. Part of it is you have to be a critical thinker and you have to kind of talk yourself through to your own conclusion and your own results. Where as a society, I don't believe we're creating critical thinkers anymore. Mm. That's not, it's not a natural thing to be creating critical thinkers, yet we're expecting people to still be them. And so you have a lot of people that, also, when you struggle with vulnerability, when you struggle with talking to somebody in the first place about your story, one of the biggest things that people find different is like I was talking yesterday and I said, 
oh, by the way, our first session's an hour and a half. And they were like, what? And I was like, yeah, I refuse to do a one hour session for the first time. And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, I need to trace how long it takes for you to get vulnerable and how long it takes for us to process something. Oh gosh, I'd need a three hour session. <laughs> but I offer those. Like I, my longest session in history to date has been 17 hours. Oh my gosh. Wow. But I very seldom have, yeah, I know. <laughs> looks at your faces is amazing right now. But, but often, I that because when I first meet somebody in the therapy or coaching capacity, yeah. like it takes me a while to get to the place of vulnerability. I mean, I've had a therapist say, so you're telling me about this traumatic thing that happened and you're not going to cry. No tears, no emotion, just stoic. Yeah. Because yeah. That, those walls don't come off easily because yeah. you don't trust easily. Right. And so I give that opportunity where clients can be like, no, no, no. Like how long do you need? And wow. some clients are great in an hour because they can just go vulnerable in five seconds. Other clients, it takes time. And the longer and longer and longer you go for some people, the deeper and deeper and deeper you can go. But it's also my responsibility. And this is where I'm going to say this with so much love. If you are not trained to deal with trauma and it is not, you've not healed your trauma. Yeah. Don't go there with the client. Right. <laughs> right. Don't go there because you can actually cause damage. You can really, really hurt people. And yeah. you kind of stay in your own lane, right? Yes. In, in the most loving way. But with that, some people need that, but it's also like, how long does it take for you to pull them back out of that place and get them into a really healthy space mm-hmm. so you can leave them at the end of a session and you didn't tank them? Yes. Right? And right. so it's just, it's things like that that are different. And I think like with everything else, with every therapist, psychologist, social worker, coach, you need to interview them and find the one that resonates for you, that sits with you well. You know, I'm like the butt kicker hope giver to use the proper term because we're on the radio, <laughs> right? But because of that and being quite strategy based, mm-hmm. yes. I don't, I'm not the right fit for a lot of people, but people also come to me because they're like, no, no, no. I know you're going to call me on my garbage. I know you're going to push me. I know you're going to, you know, <laughs> yeah. do that because that's like right in your job title. Well, and I think that right? if you're, if you're looking at really digging into, and focusing on and unpacking the experience of the trauma, that's a therapy thing for sure. But if you also are looking at the strategy and everyday practical things that you can do, the things that you're talking about, I think that there's, that's where the coaching begins. Um, You know, so there's. And that's where I intertwine the two. Like people often say I'm like half and half. (laughs) combination here yeah you're like you're an interesting combination of like half therapist yeah. half coach right and I'm like, oh yeah for sure it's a beautiful marriage when it when it's done well and when it's done right and um so um so so we're gonna go to break and come back um stay with us as we um wow this is such a good conversation we'll be right back on the live exchange All right. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and uh, we've been having a robust conversation about laughter, gratitude, and joy, uh, joined by Don Taylor. Um, And Don, I, you know, so I have some listeners who've been just kind of reaching out in different ways and saying different things. Um, And I have one who said um, this whole idea, let me, let me make sure I I get it right. Um, It's like what you can refill the cup 
because you said that earlier, like who knew you could actually <laughs> refill the cup? And, and, and you know, so one of the questions I was going to ask you is how can one go about refilling the cup? But I also wanted to ask it in the context of your book on chapter 15, where you talk about how to break negative patterns and beat fears. And the first thing you do is you dive into how you made yourself go on this trip and, and how yes. you overcame the fear of doing that. And I'm wondering, is that a way to fill your cup? by doing things like that. So I'll just let you speak to it. 100%. So when we when we look at something that like things are scary because we're like because of what we've attached to them, right? And so when we can look at something that makes us nervous or makes us scared and we can overcome that all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, that wasn't so scary." Right? Like the first time sitting in a restaurant by yourself, the first time going to a movie by yourself, the first time traveling by yourself, the first time doing any of those things, the first time jumping out of a plane, the first yeah. time facing your fears, the face time, first time telling your story if you've had trauma, right? Like right. there's there's so many ways that we can face those fears head on, right? And um, I love the acronym for fear where it's like F everything and run, right? Like, oh, I've never heard that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, <laughs> just like you're out. <laughs> right. And you can do that or it's face everything and rise. Oh, yeah. I like that, too. Right. Because yeah. like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's It's one of those things where it's like, yes, yes, you can refill your cup. Hell, yes, you can refill your cup. And when something knocks you down, right? It's like, cool. All right. How can I do this different so I don't get knocked down again? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's all about looking at it with curiosity instead of judgment. Because judgment just closes it off, right? A judgment's final. Think in like courts, right? right? Where when you can actually just get really curious about it, then instead of being like, oh my gosh, I'm the world's worst cook. I can't believe I screwed that up. I can't believe that taste is so horrible. I can't believe, right? And going that path, which is like an easy, like, descriptor of it. What about instead if you were like, huh, I wonder if it has to do with the fact that I said it on broil, because I didn't know what that word meant. I wonder if it had to do with the fact that I forgot to like grease the pan. I wonder if it has to do with the fact that I accidentally thought all spice was savory instead of sweet. Yeah. Right? Like, what if you could actually look at your entire life through a lens of curiosity? Hmm. To be so like, good. huh, I wonder what happened. I wonder what made them do that. I wonder what caused that reaction. Well, man, you can start to see other people's stories. You can start to see things in a totally different light. Yeah. That's yeah. so, so, so filling your cup in, in, in like 30, maybe 15 seconds, filling your cup looks like what? Oh, filling my cup looks like amazing conversations, reading a good book, playing Lego, mm. walking outside in my yard. I have this beautiful property with so much nature and just like taking a deep breath, seeing brand new flowers that are popping up this time of year. Yes. Filling my cup is taking the time of day to actually care about myself Oh, so and the people great. around me. Hashtag care for yourself. Yes. <laughs> I think give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> With the other letters. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I love it. Care. Yes, that's so good. So, so we're, we're at the tail end and um, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you for being willing to stay for the extra hour. How will, 
how, how can people reach you if they want to connect with what you're doing? For sure. So my, I have two different websites because I actually also have a trauma healing home. So it's a place where people can come stay in a luxury suite and do immersion style trauma healing on site where they have access to me the entire time. So seenheardhealed.com. I'm sure I'm going to get in trouble for saying that because it's not supposed to be launched here for another two weeks, but that's okay. Go check it out. (laughs) There's still a few tweaks happening. So give me grace on that. Um, Seenheartheal.com is for the trauma suite work, but the taylorway.ca is my main website. You can reach me through that. You can call me, text me, email me, hello at the taylorway.ca, social media, the taylorway now at on Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, reach out. And you know what? Even if I'm not the right fit, if you're like, hey, this is my situation, this is what I'm looking for, do you have anyone? 100% I do. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I appreciate you so much. Um, I definitely look forward to staying connected with you and the work. Yes. It's absolutely phenomenal. So thank you for what you're doing. Well, am I not your new break partner? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I want to thank you all for tuning into the live exchange today where we exchange compelling dialogue around intellect, humanity, and change. And I want you to join me next week at 11 a.m. Eastern time as we discuss what it means to have drive and to get what it is done that we, we need to get done in our lives. Uh, together, if, we, if we're focused, we can right the wrongs, we can speak the truth, we can rise above, and we can stand for change. Have an empowering week. <laughs>